right, have we got a fantastic interview for you guys today. You might recognize him, uh, Vice President Al Gore at Rebel Headquarters. Great to have you here. <laughs> Good All to be right. here. I remember when Rebel Headquarters used to be at your place. <laughs> well, that's true, and I remember when your Rebel Headquarters used to be a couple blocks from here. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um, so um, the movie is coming out tomorrow. Uh, wow. You're not only the former Vice President, you're also the star of an inconvenient sequel, Truth to Power. Let alone all the other accolades. Um, so I saw it in the premiere, and it's powerful. It's moving. Obviously, I want to talk to you about climate change. Yeah, we'll talk about other issues as well. But let's start on climate change. So as I look at that, there was a couple of scenes that I thought were overwhelming in 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 being convincing that mm. this is happening. This is happening. Yeah. But you know what's happening out there. There's a, most of the folks watching get it. Most of the American people get it. 60, 70% it's getting into that range. But there's still the holdouts who go, I don't get it. Mm. There's snow in the winter. So <laughs> what is the most compelling evidence that you would present to them? If you had one minute, two minutes with them to convince them that it's actually happening. Well, every night on the TV news now is like a nature hike through the book of Revelation. And all you really need to do is to connect the dots, even if the mainstream media doesn't want to do it for you. The hottest year ever measured with instruments was last year. The second hottest was the year before that. The third hottest the year before that. It's really overwhelming now. Yeah, and. It just in the last seven years, the US has had 11 once in a thousand year events. And that pattern is showing up all over the world. Uh, the scientists were right to 10 years ago when they projected what was due for us. And because they were right, they even lowballed it a little bit to tell you the truth because they're culturally conservative. Um, that should make us all pay careful attention to what they're saying would happen in the future if we did not get this under control. Well, so I watched an inconvenient truth 11 years ago, and and despite the fact that I was already well on the way there, I don't know if you remember from our previous conversations. In the 80s and 90s, I wasn't sold, mm, uh, and yeah. and you know what happened since then? A lot of data. Yeah. So you were right; you had seen the data already, and you thought yeah. that it was a pattern that was convincing, and and that turned out to be true. Um, but now, in the 11 years since inconvenient truth. The numbers are overwhelming. No, yeah, yeah. You know, as you point out, and there's a powerful scene in the movie with the bell curve, with the red, white, yeah. and blue, and the warm yeah. temperatures, and how it moves. Yeah. That right there, that scene is enough. Yeah, I wish every American could see that scene, just yeah. those couple of minutes, and I think that would do it. But yet, one more thing on on the skeptics, they will they'll say. I see the big storms, yeah. but come on, when I was a kid, we had storms too. Yeah. So you say connect the dots, but. It's storms, we had storms, yeah. what do you mean connected dots? Yeah, well, the the persistent levels of denial among a, a, a smaller and smaller minority uh, didn't, uh, didn't occur uh, in, a, in a vacuum. In Tennessee, there's an old saying, if you see a turtle on top of a fence post, you can be pretty sure it didn't get there by itself. And these levels of denial didn't occur by themselves. The, Large carbon polluters, the Koch brothers, ExxonMobil, and some others, have spent huge amounts of money, over a billion dollars, in using the playbook that was written by the tobacco companies years ago. You'll remember when the doctors connected uh, smoking cigarettes to lung cancer and other diseases of the lung and heart. 
Uh, the tobacco companies hired actors and dressed them up as doctors, put them in front of cameras to say in TV ads all over the airwaves, hi, I'm a doctor and you don't have to worry about any of these problems. And 100 million people died during the 40 years that they delayed the, the truth uh, that was inconvenient for them. Well, the carbon polluters have hired the same PR firms. There's an amazing book called The Merchants of Doubt that tells the story, documents it thoroughly. The, they have used the same tactics. And they've used it also to divide uh, Americans by labeling, labeling it kind of a partisan issue when it really isn't. It has nothing to do with partisanship. But they have tried to, to create this uh, climate denial in order to squeeze more profits out of their business plans, which rely on being able to continue to use the sky as an open sewer for 110 million tons of man-made global warming pollution every day. The cumulative amount of man-made global warming pollution that's up there now traps as much extra heat energy in the atmosphere as would be released by 400,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every day. Now, it's a big planet, but that's an enormous amount of energy. And that's why the temperatures are going up. Most of, the, of that heat energy is going into the oceans, by the way. And that's disrupting the water cycle by loading a lot more water vapor coming off the oceans into the sky. The atmospheric rivers take it over the land. And that's why we have these so-called rain bombs now with these record downpours and mudslides and floods. And then between the downpours, the extra heat also makes the drought start more quickly and go deeper and last longer. And, of course, it's melting the ice. And that's why you have sunny day flooding in Miami and Galveston and Norfolk and Fort Lauderdale and Annapolis and uh, worse still in Bangladesh and the Maldives. And I won't go on with the list, but we are largely a coastal species. And the threat of losing coastal towns and cities all over the world is one of many of these problems. And, of course, then, uh, you know, I don't want to uh, belabor this, but think about the Zika virus and the other tropical diseases that were never known in this country before. And yes, air travels had something to do with spreading it, but the climate changes have changed the areas where these diseases take root and become endemic. And when, when doctors say for the first time in history to women in parts of South and Central America don't get pregnant for two years, that ought to set off alarm bells that you know have nothing to do with politics or partisanship. When American women are told for the first time in history to avoid certain parts of the United States, because of these horrible birth defects that can be carried with this virus. You know, it's just uh, all these things together are, are just uh, overwhelming. But you can't shut down because now we have the solutions. We can solve it. So there's so many parts of the movie that resonate with me that you alluded to there. Uh, I, I lived in Miami for three years. And the part of the movie where Miami's flooded and you're in your Big boots. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's was right around the corner from where I live. No kidding. And uh. I go back to Miami every year because I think it's not going to exist. Mm -hmm. And so I swear to God, I go every year to soak it in while it's still yeah. around. Yeah. And so that that's it's not something in the future. It's right now. That's and when right. I go, I see more flooding and I see more flooding. Yeah. And um, and to the point about the the extreme storms and the droughts that confuses yeah. people. They say how yeah, can yeah. it be? But there was a great explanation in the movie of why the heat picks up the, the moisture from the ocean and creates the storms 
but also picks up the moisture from the land yeah. and creates the droughts. Right. So that's why I just thought it was very powerful in that sense. And I, uh, I'm gonna go to a part of the trailer in a second because there's at least a point that I wanna make. But, uh, but you mentioned your opponents there, the people who are trying to stop yeah. uh, people from understanding this. I think that a lot of the media treats them as genuine. Uh, meaning, yeah. oh, here are these honorable gentlemen who are Republican senators from yeah. across the country. Uh, who earnestly don't believe the science yeah. uh, or they think there's a dispute in the science. Yeah. Do you think they are genuine actors or do you think that there's systemic corruption that leads to their position? Oh, I, I mean, I think it's a blend of both and I'm sure some of them really believe what they're saying. Uh, one of the greatest investigative journalists in history over a century ago, Upton Sinclair once wrote, it's difficult to get a man to understand something if his income depends upon him not understanding it. You substitute campaign contributions and lobbying gifts for income, it is income in a way, then that's part of the explanation. But I know for a dead certain fact, Jane, because I served with some of these guys and gals, I know that some of them actually do understand that their positions have been overtaken by <laughs> unassailable evidence. And they are actually privately trying to figure out how to climb back off the end of the long limb they're on. That is a fact. And some of them are beginning to change now, not enough yet. But I think the reaction to Trump is actually in some ways kind of making it easier for some of them to, uh, to change their position. In the House, there's something called the Noah's Ark Caucus now. Mm -hmm. And it oh, refers boy. not only to the biblical deluge, but also the fact that they can only come by twos. <laughs> In order to join, you have to have one Democrat and one Republican together. Oh, okay. So a lot of Republicans are, are now uh, joining that. And back to Miami for a moment. The mayor of Miami is a Republican. And he spoke up and said, hey, this has nothing to do with politics. We got a crisis on our hands. We got to solve it. Yeah, let alone Georgetown, Texas mayor, which is oh, a character yeah, of the yeah. movie. Speaking of which, because you just touched on both of those things, let's show you a really quick uh, version of the trailer here, and then I want to ask you something about okay. it. Okay, let's watch. It's supposed to be 70 degrees today. It's freezing here. <laughs> Speaking of global warming, where is we need some global warming? It's freezing. The most criticized scene in the movie An Inconvenient Truth was showing that the combination of sea level rise and storm surge would flood the 9-11 memorial site. And people said, what a terrible exaggeration. Hurricane Sandy slammed into New York City last night, flooding the World Trade Center site. Storms get stronger and more destructive. Watch the water splash off the city. It's time to put America first. That includes a promise to cancel billions in climate change spending. Our plan will end the EPA. This is our home. So now you've done so many things to fight back on this yeah. uh, issue. And you've done the Climate Reality Project, which you're still doing, we've, which we've talked about. Uh, you've trained thousands of people. I don't know if you've gotten to millions yet. <laughs> no, over 12,000. Yeah, and, and, and all the things that you did as vice president in, in, in the government, etc. But when you see that and you see um, the opposition has gained the mantle of power mm. and is blocking everything that could help climate change, including getting out of the Paris Accords, which is devastating. Um, look, 
I did the math. You're younger than Bernie Sanders. You're <laughs> oh, younger than Joe go. Biden. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> younger than Joe Biden, younger than Hillary Clinton, and about the same age, maybe a year older, about a year older than Elizabeth Warren. So, um, and you already won an election. <laughs> Can I just say, look, I don't know that anybody's ever asked you this, and I don't know if it's right to or not, but I, I, you didn't just win the popular vote. According to an entire recount of Florida, uh, you won the Electoral College. So, do you, first of all, I'm gonna ask a funny question. Do you concede that? Do you concede that you actually won the Electoral College as well? Well, publicly, I have accepted the responsibility of not challenging the legitimacy of the outcome. But I, I hear what you're saying. I think people have by now understand what happened. And I wish the Supreme Court had seen it differently. Yeah. Um, all right. So, we'll. That, that is so clear. If, if you haven't seen it, guys, go Google the articles about the recount of the entire state of Florida that the newspapers did afterwards. So it's 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 devastating. But you're still young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 69 the, is the new 68. <laughs> so uh, is there any chance that that you think, well, look, the most effective way to do this is through government and, and you get back in the saddle? Well, you know. Uh, this might be as good a place uh, as any to <laughs> no. <laughs> For a I, you know, I, I joke in the in the movie that I am a recovering politician, and the longer I go without a relapse, the less likely one becomes. Uh, I'm grateful to have found other ways to serve the public interest, and uh, I, I f it feels to me like I'm doing what I should be doing right now. Okay, that wasn't a no. Um, so let me ask uh, one more thing. Uh, forget running for president. It, you, I tried. I didn't know you at all, but I wrote articles saying you should do it in 04. I wrote yeah, articles you, you, you should you. do it in 08. Uh, and then after I knew you in 2016. Okay, so let's <laughs> yeah. let's say I'm past it. But if uh, a real progressive wins and says I want you to be the anti Rex Tillerson, the other guys pick the CEO of Exxon Mobil. Yeah. That puts all this carbon into the air. I want you to come clean it up. And boy, is there's as I see John Kerry in the movie in yeah. the Paris Accords, I think that would be amazing for nah. you to do. Is there a possibility that you would do that? No, no, I would not do that. But you know, you mentioned John Kerry. It's true, he did an amazing job as Secretary of State. And you know, we went to the Senate on the same day. And I'll tell you, our, our friendship and partnership over the years. Was invaluable as we worked together in Paris, and I really admire the job he did. Mm -hmm. All right, that was a clear answer. <laughs> so let's let's go to Trump. Um, so on a scale of one to ten, how's he doing on uh, the issue of climate change? One being miserable, ten being great. Uh, <laughs> minus one. <laughs> I mean, really, how could it be worse? I mean, he, <laughs> I thought there was a chance that he would come to his senses on the issue, but I was very wrong. And he surrounded himself with this uh, uh, rogues gallery of climate deniers. And uh, I just, he's doing uh, as bad as anyone could possibly do. Well, when you went to Trump Tower to talk to him, what did he say that made you think, like, maybe? Mm. Because you you had a tiny bit of hope, not a lot, but a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually thought there was a real chance that he would, and I've protected the privacy of the conversations I've had with him, and it didn't stop at, with that one in Trump Tower. I've had no conversations since his decision on Paris. I don't think there's any reason to continue them. 
but you've seen articles where business people who've dealt with him will tell you that one on one, he, you know, he'll he's very cordial, and you can come away with the impression that he's open to what you're saying. And I did think there was a chance that he would change. Uh, and I thought there was a point where he really had uh, changed uh, a few weeks before his decision on Paris. But the right wing and the carbon polluters, uh, I believe, uh, got to him and locked him in place. Okay, how about overall, scale of 1 to 10 for his administration so far? Same score. I mean, I, I don't know. Well, it could be worse. It's a, it's a blend of malevolence and incompetence, and the latter has uh, limited uh, some of the damage that he might otherwise <laughs> want to do. Okay, uh, so that's clear. Negative one. Okay. Um, but I've never seen anything like this. I don't know if anybody's I mean, ever seen anything like no. this. I mean, when you, he fires Comey, <clears throat> then he talks about fire, firing his attorney general while his attorney general is still in office. Pressuring him to resign. I've never seen that. Scaramucci <laughs> comes out yesterday or last night and says Ryan's previous should be investigated by the FBI. Once the White House communications director, although was chief of staff, <laughs> even Nixon didn't do it publicly like this. This is amazing. So, what do we do with a problem like Trump? So, given that this is unprecedented, yeah. I know what Democrats like. I presume if he fires Mueller, are going to say, "Hey, we got to take action right now." Do you think the Republicans will take action, and what and would it, what would the action be? Would it be impeachment? What would you do? What could we do if he fires Mueller? <clears throat> well, for for me, the biggest problem is that all these things are distractions from what the president ought to be doing. Nothing's getting done. Certainly, nothing good is getting done. Uh, and every day, it's a new set of tweets, a new set of distractions, and that's uh, one of the biggest uh, tragedies of this whole. Show the reality show that's going on there. Um, now, as for the investigation and uh, all the suspicions people have, I'm going to leave that to uh, uh, Robert Mueller. Uh, I think the country is extremely fortunate to have an independent counsel who has the complete respect. Uh, of just about everybody I've heard comment on it in both political parties. I mean, it's it's a privilege for us as Americans to have somebody like that in charge. And let's say that uh, the investigation finds out uh, that he didn't do anything wrong. There wasn't collusion. There wasn't I, because it's Mueller. I would be able to accept that because I trust the guy. He has he has integrity. By the same token, if he comes to the opposite conclusion. I think that conclusion will also be accepted. And I think it's very interesting that uh, the Republican senators who have been uh, unnaturally uh, quiet and acquiescent uh, in, in the face of all these things Trump has been doing, all of a sudden when he attacks Sessions, who they served with, and I was in the Senate and I know the importance of camaraderie when it's established there, they're now drawing a red line. and. I think that uh, my best guess is that the next few months may be ones that are filled with uh, challenges for our democracy, and we should gird ourselves for it. Uh, I'm going to wait, as I said, for what Mueller's uh, investigation uh, uncovers. I feel confident that he will be allowed to continue. I think the Senate will protect him. Uh, and then we'll see where it goes from there. And I want to dive into some of the issues that are going on. Great. Okay. 
So California uh, earlier this week uh, passed uh, cap and trade. Yeah. So now that's actually an extension of uh, an yeah. earlier legislation. It, they yeah. was supposed to go to 2020, but we're almost there. So they extended it to 2030. Yeah. And it was a really nice moment. If you guys didn't see, Jerry Brown and Arnold Schwarzenegger were yeah. together. Yeah. And they raised each other's hands yeah. because Schwarzenegger is on the right side of that issue. Yeah. And Definitely. so tell us what that cap and trade does in California and why it's so important. Well, it, first of all, it makes uh, Jerry Brown one of the preeminent leaders on this issue in the world. Uh, he's, I admire Jerry a lot, and I know there was a little criticism of this detail or that detail, and I get it. But wow, to be able to accomplish that is amazing. And he got eight Republican members of the legislature, some from very conservative districts, and several Republican governors of other states endorsed uh, the legislation. So. What it does is put a price on carbon through the cap and trade mechanism. Uh, it greatly benefits uh, Canada as well because Ontario uh, has joined. Quebec uh, is going to. Quebec has already joined. Ontario is uh, about to. Uh, Mexico. Three weeks ago, I was in Australia, and I've worked with you. I took uh, four letters from him to the premiers of the four largest uh, states in Australia. The same deal there. They got a federal government that doesn't have its act together, and but the the state governments have a lot of the levers of power. So California is really kind of leading uh, the way in the U.S., but you got a lot of other states too. So it's a very important accomplishment. Is cap and trade the right way to tackle this issue? You know, if I had my druthers, I would have a, a, a tax on carbon. Mm -hmm. and cap and trade and <laughs> regulations like requiring a certain percentage from renewables going up each year. But the resistance to a tax of any kind, of course, because of the way the ideological debate has been shaped, uh, makes it easier in most jurisdictions to go for the indirect price on carbon, which cap and trade is, even in China, by the way. Um, I have a close friend there, uh, Xie Jinhua, who is the, their top climate guy, works for Xi Jinping. They floated a carbon tax in China, and it met with a lot of resistance from the regional industrial leaders. Of course, it's a dictatorship, but not totally. They, you know, they pay attention to opinion. So they diverted to a cap and trade there as well. Sweden, probably doing the best job of any country, has both cap and trade and a carbon tax. And eventually, I hope we will have a, a carbon tax, a revenue neutral carbon tax is something I've supported for more than 25 years. But when I realized that was a, a, an almost impossible uh, sell, I, I, I said, okay, second best is cap and trade, let's do that. Uh, the first President Bush had done that to stop uh, sulfur dioxide and help cure acid rain, and it worked better than a lot of us expected it would. So let's say, well, let's do that. That's when uh, we started this effort, and the Republican authors of the uh, first cap-and-trade plan immediately switched and said, no, no, you're for it, now we're against it. Not not saying that to me, mm. but to the Democrats who were there then. Well, where have I seen that movie before? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the oh, Heritage yeah. Foundation proposed a health care uh, uh, There you go, plan. same thing, same thing. Right, and you, once the Democrats- Good catch. <laughs> right, say they're in favor of it, all of a sudden they're not. Uh, which actually then leads to uh, a hot issue also in California. Uh, so very recently, they decided uh, to pass single pair in in the California Senate, yeah, uh, but couldn't quite get it done in the Assembly. Um, curious to uh, your take on the issue: single pair, Medicare for all. <laughs> uh, 
What's your stance on this? Well, throughout my career in government back in the day, I was kind of skeptical about single payer. I thought our, you know, the hybrid system, public private, could could work. Starting in 2002, I came to the conclusion that we should go to single payer. Medicare for all would be an easy way to do it. I just think that the current system, I mean, I'm all for Obamacare, uh, AHCA, as it's called, uh, <clears throat> but uh, the Republicans are trying to undermine that. And um, when and if we get to the point where we have to rework it again, I, I would be strongly in favor of going to single pair. All right, great. And then I want to play you a clip from Lindsey Graham today because uh, mm-hmm. he says something very interesting about uh, the Mueller investigation. Okay. So let, let's take a look at that and, and then react. This happened just today. Uh, there will be no confirmation hearing for a new attorney general in 2017. Uh, if Jeff Session is fired, there will be holy hell to pay. Uh, any effort to go after Mueller could be the beginning of the end of the Trump presidency, unless Mueller did something wrong. Okay, so those are very strong words. Yeah, very. Yeah. Uh, What's your level of faith that the Republican senators will follow through on that threat if he if he fires Mueller? Well, you know, Lindsey Graham is sometimes out over his skis where the rest of the Republican caucus is concerned. But the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Chuck Grassley, put out a tweet just the day before saying he's not going to have any hearings on any new attorney general this year. Uh, and uh, Ben Sass of Nebraska put out a tweet saying, if you're thinking about uh, a recess appointment to replace uh, Sessions, forget about it, directed at Trump. And I've heard uh, interviews with uh, quite a few Republican senators who are all saying similar things. So my guess is that, uh, this, that this sentiment expressed by Lindsey Graham is not just him or not just him and John McCain. I, I think it, it appears to be representative of what uh, the Republicans in the Senate generally are thinking and saying. All right, one last question for you, um, and it is about the Democratic Party. Yeah. Uh, so we, we talked about some of the issues, climate change, yeah. single payer. Uh, some are counseling. I, I read an article the other day, the blue dog Democrats are back. And they're yeah. saying, let's go to the center, and that's why we're yeah. losing. And and they are losing. Uh, they, they've lost the House, the Senate, the White House, uh, the Supreme Court, and 69 out of 99 state legislatures. Mm. Now, of course, there's the progressive wing saying, no, let's fight for the positions we believe in, yeah. and, and let's go stronger in that direction. W- what do you make of that? W- which direction do you think they should go? Well, you know, when I when I uh, ran this uh, the last time for president, my slogan was uh, for for the people, not the powerful, and a lot of people criticized that as uh, leaning too far toward the progressive side. But it, it just seems to me, with rising inequality and in incomes and net worths, and also the inequality of political power, our, our democracy has been uh, hacked by big money long before the Russians hacked it. Uh, and, and we we need to right the ship. We need to restore American democracy. And I think the way to do it uh, is to, is to really go to the people and say we're for you, and we're not gonna to 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 bend to the will of these uh, wealthy and powerful poobahs. Um, you know, Bernie Sanders' campaign, wh- whether you agree with his agenda or not, just looking at the mechanics of it, he accomplished something that I think is really significant beyond politics and ideology. 
he proved that it now is possible in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2020, to run a, a, a very credible, potentially winning campaign without taking any special interest money, any big fat cat contributions, just going out on the internet and trying to motivate the average citizens of this country to finance the campaign with small donations. That's the way it should be. And I think that uh, the internet and social media have now evolved to the point where that really is possible. And that possibility gives me tremendous hope that we may be able to rekindle the spirit of America and reinvigorate the way our democracy is intended to, to operate. And that's best done by going to the people with solutions that speak to them and don't you know, bend over to be so careful with all these powerful special interests. Correct me if I'm wrong, the first bill you ever introduced was about getting money out of politics? Yeah, I mean, every time I, when I was first elected to the House of Representatives, I introduced legislation to have 100% federal funding of all federal elections. It was part of the platform in every campaign I ran in the House, in the Senate, both times I ran for president. I was never really attacked on it, Jank, because they couldn't get people to believe that I would propose such a thing. <laughs> but I, I really believe that, that that's one of the secrets. Now, it's hard to get something like that passed. I, I, I'm not naive about it. But I really do think that uh, getting big money out of politics is absolutely essential to save uh, the America that we know and love. Uh I thought I was early on it, but you introduced that bill when? 1977. <laughs> so you might have figured out things a little quicker than, and well, not I'm, only me, I'm but the rest older. of the country. I'm a lot older than you. <laughs> so climate change, money in politics, all these issues, you're way out ahead. I hope that people learn from that. And and as one last thing, as I watched the movie, this is for you guys. I kept thinking, how many times does a guy have to be proven right before you go, Maybe I should listen to him. Right? <laughs> did I mention the website, Jing? Uh, I don't think you did. Uh, Inconveniencesequel.com. <laughs> you can buy advance uh, tickets. Uh, uh, it opens in Los Angeles uh, this Friday, tomorrow, uh, and New York. And then a week from tomorrow, August 4th, it opens wide all across uh, the country. And you got viewers around the world. This movie is going to be playing in countries around the world. And use your voice, use your vote, use your choices in life. Be a part of the solutions and go to see this movie, An Inconvenient Truth, An Inconvenient Sequel, Truth to Power. Yes, so uh, another thing is get involved, Climate Reality Project. And, and, the, yeah. and the first thing to do in getting involved is actually seeing what's going on. If you didn't see Inconvenient Truth, go back to Inconvenient Truth and then go see Inconvenient Sequel. And it's stark. Thank you. Yes. People and, come and away hopeful. They come away hopeful, but also with an increased sense of urgency. Yeah, and I there was literally a couple of times where I gasped. Mm. You know, the scene with the the station in Greenland. Oh yeah, yeah. And mm. and then the next year they come back and the ice yeah. is gone. <laughs> and I was like, <gasps> <Yeah>. <laughs> so inconvenient sequel. Check it out, Vice President Gore. Thank you so much for thank being you, here. Check. Really, really yeah. appreciate it.